Hey all, and welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm with Jonathan. Hey, hey y'all. And today we are talking the finale two-parter for Star Trek Picard. Uh, Jonathan, overall, what do you think about this two-parter? This was phenomenal. I mean, I already I already was getting really hooked with the show, but I just I loved the end. It was uh, there was a couple small little uh, things that I, I I don't know didn't like or or would have changed, but overall, I thought it was a really really good ending for the season. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. They do a really good job on the CBS Alexis Star Treks, uh, the finales. Like the star, the finale for I think season two of Discovery is like this thing could be in theaters. It's so good. Right. So it it felt like that as well. I I do have a couple gripes. One major gripe at the end, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, okay, but let's first settle the debate. So we went ahead and pushed this to be a two parter. Uh, combine the two parters because you're moving and we're all doing the isolation thing. So it's kind of one of those things where it's best to do that. Uh, do you consider two parters to be one episode or do you consider it as two separate episodes in general would, for all Star Treks? I would consider them uh, there. I know they're aired as two episodes, but I would consider them as one episode because they're aired as two episodes because it's too long. It's too much, you know, good yeah. stuff. So it shouldn't be faulted for that, but it's one arcing story over the two episodes. So the writers have written it as one episode. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's yeah, it's one story because uh, a lot of times when you talk about, oh, this is my favorite, you know, Star Trek TNG episode or whatever. Well, like, yeah, but you can't include that one. It's a two part. You always hear that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, this is something I thought we'd get out there out of the way. OK, so we're going to start things off with uh, the crew exits the conduit. Now, last time we saw the crew, they were they had gone through a Borg conduit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had exit the conduit portal uh, near the fourth planet of the Haloon system called Copolis, I want to say it's called that. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Nick arrives, uh, by the way, real quick, the timeline of this thing, we're going to be kind of working on it together as we go through because, of course, it gets so crazy so fast. So uh, excuse me if it feels like we're jumping around a little bit. We're trying our best with this one. It's, it's a lot going on. But anyway, so uh, Nerek arrives behind them and he starts opening fire. They have this dog fight, you know, classic uh, good old space dog fight. As they're fighting, they incapacitate Nerek's ship. Uh, but really, it was a trick. He actually is doing a teleportation or a, um, not a teleportation a hologram out there, which we've seen that in the past, right? Where there's like a hologram ship and it's like, aha, I got you guys. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly, in beautiful fashion, the board cube rolls in uh, yes. the artifact. Uh, and they do such a good job with this thing uh, through the conduit and uh, and it starts charging its weapons. It's still repairing, it seems like, right? Did you notice it seems like it's still repairing? Yeah. Or it's not. It, yeah, it's not fully. It, it's. Looks like it's not fully space ready yet, but it's yeah. flying already, anyways. Yeah. Uh, and while they're doing this, crazy giant flowers, these orchids, they call them orchids, start to encompass the ships. Uh, even on the cube, it like it like grabs one of the sides and one of the corners and stuff like that. It does its best and starts dragging them down to the planet and puts them into the atmosphere. The that whole space battle scene too. That as soon as I started seeing that with with uh, Narek's ship and stuff like that. I started thinking, like, man, this would make such a good game. And then the board cube comes in the mix. I'm like, oh, imagine if there was a game where where you're, you know, you don't necessarily have to even deal with planets. You're just going ship to ship. And then, like, the board cube would be a planet of its own that you have to, you know, sneak onto and steal, you know, materials or something like that. Yeah. Or assassinate somebody. That would be a really cool game. So, board cubes would make really good video games for the fact that you'd have to do kind of stealth. The way they like patrol, you know, like Borgs naturally mm-hmm. patrol makes yeah. for good stealthing around them kind of uh, situations. Mm-hmm. It's a good That'd idea. Awesome. Uh, but what did you think about the the fight in general, like the cinematography of it and stuff like that? It it looked really good. I mean, I to me, it was like 
because uh, lately, you know, the Star Wars movies are are big and they put a ton of money into them. But I think it was right on par with all the the Star Wars, you know, space dogfights. If we had more more time of it, or you know, a little bit more, longer of a space battle, I think it would have been, you know, at least on par with Star Wars. Fully agree with you there. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, during this process, when when they're starting to crash, Picard is like kind of taken over, and he sends and he's saying a message saying "Thank you for coming, everyone." Uh, he's kind of being possessed. So we have that. Then once they are on the planet, he is revived at, at the medical bay. Uh, the ship is without power. Agnes, uh, she's using like this old school tricorder, which of course is the tricorder we're actually used to. Um, <laughs> and uh, and she realizes that he has a brain. Um, what do they call it? Abnormality, Abnormality. I think. Yeah. Uh, and so now she's in on it, and she he decides that it's time that I tell the whole crew. It's a very sad moment, right? I mean, this is something that he's been kind of hiding from everybody. Rafi takes her really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel for her. Uh, it was it was a really cool moment. Uh, okay, so they take assessment of where they're at. They're on an M-class planet with no power, and they're six kilometers away from the nearest uh, settlement, the one that Soji was born at. Uh, so they're going to go to the Borg Cube first, look for any survivors, and see if you know what they can do. Now, my, I have a problem with this. First off, it was gorgeous seeing the board cube sitting there. You could tell it's now part of the landscape. Like that's actually now going to be uh, a new mountain that's sitting there, basically. <laughs> yeah, especially when you have a, a, a synthetic, you know, beings that live on that planet. They can go harvest and utilize a lot of that technology. Well, we'll talk about that later on because I think there this is setting up a whole new society, and it's going to yeah. be really neat. But uh, I felt like that. Either that board cube would have been shattered just from its size hitting the planet, or the planet would have been, you know, Wrecked. destroyed. You know, <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think it's kind of like, uh, just kind of go with it? What do you think? That's true. Uh, I w- we could try to. They didn't. They didn't show much to to help. Um, I don't know to help make that seem okay or justify it. That's a better term. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't show us anything to really justify the ship not crushing into pieces or the planet not erupting because a giant ship just crashed into it. Yeah. Uh, but we could imagine that Borg technology, they have the culmination of millions of different species. They could easily have a, you know, default uh, safety mechanism that has thrusters that just, you know, brace for landing no matter like what it's that. coming into. So I'd imagine they have something in place. Maybe a Borg cube is just that rock solid that even without electricity, without power, it can still you know, stay together, but I would imagine it would be some kind of uh, emergency thrusters or something like that. That Yeah, the thrusters make, make a lot of sense to me because everybody, because people are alive inside. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So if it was just like, you know, a rock, everybody inside still getting jostled and dying. <laughs> so I like yeah. the idea of like, yeah, there's these emergency thrusters that kick in. Yeah. That's a good call. Uh, they search the board cube and find a bunch of XBs and Eleanor and Seven are both alive. Now, when Seven is seen again, there's the Voyager music in the background. Of course, we got to notice every time that happens. Really cool. The XBs uh, are trying to bring replicators back online, some other systems back online. Uh, Rafi and Rios are able to see that they're, with the uh, new sensors they bring back online, there are 218 warbirds approaching. That's the Romulan fighters. Uh, so Picard and crew, they're going to be leaving to find the settlement. They're going to go ahead and leave Seven and Eleanor behind to continue their efforts and getting the defensive systems back online for the board cube. Try to get the cube to help in the fight uh, coming up. Once they approach the settlement, uh, we see that uh, it's very enlightened. There's everybody's in sets of twins, uh, you know, it's which we've learned in the past. That's how the synthetics are basically made. They're made in sets of twins. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, one of the synthetics named, I believe, Arcana, if I remember correctly, recognizes Soji right off the bat. And so we now have confirmation that, yes, Soji is from here. Arcana welcomes everybody. And uh, and the crew warns them of the like the approaching uh, Romulans, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so you know, they're in high alert, and it feels like the synthetics either don't care or are not as worried. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think they just don't understand what the threat is because they've lived on this planet. I mean, of course, Bruce Maddox and uh, you know knew exactly what was going on or how dangerous it was, but I'm sure he didn't tell them stories of the the Romulan Empire that wants to destroy them or the traitors that are in Starfleet and stuff like that. So he, they probably are just naive at the time. Yeah, that's a good idea. You're right, because they're children. <laughs> I forget yeah. about that part. That they, they don't know. Threat's not the same to them. Uh, Dr. Alton Inago Sung walks up, and this guy, of course, everybody's like, that's Data, you know? And it's what it is. It's the, it's the human version of Data. Uh, it's his brother. The his uh, Data's creator is this guy's father. Uh, so he walks up and welcomes everybody like that, and him and Picard start to talk back and forth, and... It's just nice to see Picard talk to a data lookalike. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Sutra joins them, and Sutra is the sister of Jaina, and she looks much like an uh, I would say an older model of Soji. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because they still have the the yellow data eyes. Yeah, and the gold skin. That, that's pretty cool. But those eyes, they're so non-human. They're so mechanical that it it kind of detaches her from the soft, you know, Soji, and makes her more a little more rigid, a little more intimidating or scary because she's not as humanoid so yeah. I, of course they did that on purpose but that was right. kind of a cool way to do it yeah it looks much closer to data style than it does to soji's and i think her skin was a little more like a metallic gold yeah. tint to it too. yeah they're heavy on the glitter for sure yeah. so we have uh sutra you should know they're all having this meeting basically of what to do sutra walks up and wants to mind meld with Agnes to kind of understand what's going on. What what are your feelings about a synthetic being able to mind meld? Yeah, I don't I I don't get that. I don't think that should be possible. I mean, yeah. I, I get it plays great for the story, but that is like the farthest spectrum away from where they're at. They're just barely getting sentience and consciousness and the ability to think on their own. And then one of them somehow mastered this Vulcan skill that takes a lifetime of discipline i just don't i think that was too much of a stretch if they had i could totally it would be so easy for them to have a little piece of technology that can extract a memory from her brain and show it on a big screen that's cool but to be able to mind melt i think that was just too much of a reach for a synthetic at their at their level of advancement totally agree with you uh, mind melding is it's so personal to the Vulcans yeah. to see something else be able to use that it doesn't feel right so it's real weird and that she used it so flawlessly like oh I just put my this key in the side of your head and I got to see the full image in full in in perfect yeah. view well, that's not right and the version she saw was different than the version that Agnes saw True. because that's the whole thing is hers is like the synth version which yeah. is which adds another layer is like okay so did Agnes have like a synthetic encoding behind the one that she saw you know it's just kind of odd yeah i don't know okay so moving from here on out the story becomes a lot less linear so this is where we're gonna be bouncing around quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, what we do have going on right now is we have agnes who uh, approaches soong uh and they're talking about maddox's death uh he is very upset that he that she killed uh, maddox because you know of course for him maddox was too valuable uh he 
basically what was going on was Maddox was taking care of like the what sounds like the humanity aspect of it while Soong was taking care of the actual like robotics. Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah, more or less. So he offers like, if you want to redeem yourself, you could help me with my transfer project, this mind transfer project. And they take him over to this mind transfer. Uh, what are your feelings on the idea of this whole mind transfer thing? And uh, with soon going into that body is what we assume is going to happen. Yeah. Well, first off, that was like, this is altered carbon if they get into this. Cause this, this oh, is I know. Exactly Watch out for your stack. <laughs> Um, but I, I kind of, I thought that was inevitable too. in the fact that, you know, we're trying to create synthetic life, but that to me, I've always imagined that was the next step after you can create a, a very human robot, then you try to preserve a human by putting them in a human robot. So yeah, uh, yeah, it just seems inevitable. I just was kind of surprised that she was getting brought into the fold that far along, but I guess, you know, where he's at, he doesn't have a lot of resources. So anybody that's interested or has that experience is probably valuable. So that's true. Uh, okay. So then we see, we have so, uh, Sutra and Soji. They're arguing over like, what's the right move for sense already. Sutra's just playing into what you would assume. She's like, yes, yeah, sense all the way. Let's destroy humanity and all the biologicals. And Soji's a little less uh, willing to roll with that. We see Narek is brought into camp. He was captured by the sense uh, Narek and Soji, they end up having a conversation while he's imprisoned by them and he claims to still love her and she, Soji ends up rebuffing him. Do you think, even with all of the episode, that Narek actually loves Soji or no? I, I don't think so. You, yeah. Even after all that, it didn't it didn't play out very well like he did. I, I do like how, though, through this episode, um, now that you're talking about how, uh, what I can't remember her name, uh, she was uh, right away gung-ho for kill all the humans, all the biologists. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like how they quickly, or yeah, pr- pretty quickly over just in two episodes, uh, re recasted or just changed your perspective of a whole society and pretty well made them to be the enemies. The whole time yeah. we we're thinking these Romulans, they're such terrorists. They want to suppress these poor innocent little robots who aren't quite people yet, but they're struggling. They're almost there. And someday they might have a future to all of a sudden you see this society where, Oh wait, there's several of yeah. them and they're effective and they're, they're well built and they're actually farther along. They're not so suppressed. They're not, they're not the, you know, hobbling, you know, short circuited robots that we were thinking of. They're well developed and look just like humans now. Yeah. They, and, they actually feel like their society runs better than humanity does. It's like this, like yeah. almost walking into an elven city where yeah. it's just like, oh, they're a little bit better than us. Yeah. The, first, the first thing you see is those orchids, which are so not only beautiful and well-built, but extremely effective because they ground the first ship they come in contact with. Yeah. And a Borg cube. Yeah. Yeah. And a Borg cube, which has never <laughs> been seen. So uh, I like how they were able to re- turn, the, turn the perspective where you thought Romulans were bad and the synths were good. Now you see... Maybe we were on the wrong side. Maybe Romulans actually have a legitimate fear, and these synths, if they are not, you know, managed or or developed past a certain point or partnered with early on or something like that, if the right steps aren't made, then they could easily destroy all humanity. And if supposedly it was done in the past, and maybe could be happening in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's. It, it, I felt that too, and and that is a good point. That you just it kind of makes you like, wait a minute, this is grays, not black and whites. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, okay, so, you know, Soji leaves, she rebuffs his advances, and even though he's warning her that like, Romulans are going to be coming, uh, Narek is later approached by Sutra. Now, Sutra already has been leaning towards, let's help the sense. She frees him, she hates him, but she frees him, 
uh, as a propaganda piece we see later on. Uh, Narek kills Saga on the way out, which is this one that was kind of, you know, nice to everybody and, and stuff. She, he was, she was the jailer for him. And I like that whole thing where he's like, I need water. And she's like, well, we've never had a prisoner before. Yeah. <laughs> so, also showing kind of an example of how much better their society is where there is no such thing as prisoners. <laughs> so yeah. uh, Narek then decides to go ahead and run off for the cube. So that's where we're seeing Narek now. He's off for the cube. Rafi and Rios. Their job is to head back to the ship and complete repairs, get that thing ready to go. Uh, we see again, Rafi is really having a hard time with this Picard illness and saying goodbye. Uh, Rafi's kind of become, she's like the best friend of Picard, but I'm also getting a feeling of like she's the mom on ship. Do you get that feeling? Yeah, I think you'd say that. Yeah. yeah. She almost feels like she's sitting there, she's protective of everybody as much as she's like a friend to even picard i feel like she's sitting there just trying to be protective of everybody uh, and really hold her own thing together so i, I really like that as well mm -hmm. uh picard is in his room and he's trying to reach starfleet uh he's sending them a message again and again we've seen this in the past that picard's kind of like feels like he's like that old man that's just bugging you all the time uh you know <laughs> it's random phone calls um but yeah, so he's, he's continuing on that when Soji walks in and starts asking for his advice about sacrificing herself for loved ones and that, you know, trade-off of is sacrifice and love and life and what does it all mean? And Picard's kind of worried about her talking about sacrifice. What does this mean when she's saying this? What is she trying to do? Um, again, kind of Picard and her working together to be that, that thing that we saw from Riker where they were saying like, you could work with each other and stuff like that. Riker's daughter was talking about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys need each other. Yeah. And we're seeing that right here. We then see that the sense have gathered. And ahead of them is Soong and Sutra giving a speech. Sutra's wanting to keep her people alive, even if it means the cost of all the biological lives in the in the galaxy. Picard pleads with the people to that, that, that Starfleet will defend the sense. That, you know, Starfleet has their back. And, you know, of course... They're talking like, no, there's a ban. You guys have already turned on us. There's the Mars thing. Uh, but Picard has always been about hope. And that's what Star Trek has always been about as well. He's really pre uh, preaching that to them. Soon places Picard under house arrest. And Soji agrees with this move. At this time, Jonathan, do you feel like Soji's on board or is this a ploy? No, nah, I felt totally betrayed. I was like, Soji just yeah. gave up on humanity. And she's she's with the sense you know, wholeheartedly now. Yeah, I mean, you can see it in her face that she's still kind of kind of torn in the decision, but still just, you know, Picard's been with you this whole time. Just because you find a couple other synths on another planet doesn't mean, you know, you turn your back on the only person who protected you until now. Another thing, too, is the fact that she's been kind of activated because we're talking maybe like a week before she thought she was a human. So it wasn't that long ago that she was a biological to, in her mind. Yeah. But she's now kind of like, activated where she's you know like there's that time where she's like oh i must have learned this when i was on the board cube so she's probably thinking faster than we would assume so it's hard to say that oh her reaction's too fast because her mind process is a lot faster than what we would assume That's so she's, she's 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 developing quicker than we would expect kind of thing yeah uh we also see that agnes joins the synth as well she's going to be their mother figure as sung says uh and help with the mind transfer that's basically his, her like pitch to, to stay involved with them over at uh the board cube narak arrives and he's searching around and Neris approaches him. Neris was also hiding on the ship the entire time on the board cube and survived the fall. Nerissa. Nerissa. I said, I'm sorry. Neric and Nerissa. She's got the worst name. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, Neric is grabbing explosives and weapons and his, his 
statement is that he's going to be taking out all the orchids. All these Romulan ships are coming in. You got, you know, 200 Romulan ships coming in. The orchids could take out quite a few of them. Uh, so he's working on that. As he leaves, we see Elnor's like following closely behind. So Elnor knows that he's there. The synths are in the process of building this beacon that will alert the synth alliance. Because that's the thing that we had heard before. So when uh, Sutra uh, read the mind of Agnes, she found out that there is a synth alliance that's just waiting for you to say that, hey, we need you. And then they're going to come in, destroy all the biological life, and uh, help the synths rise up and evolve. Like synthetics are generally the next set of evolvements is what the idea is. So they're building this beacon to like bring them over. And it looks like later on, open a uh, portal. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're looking at here. When I hear this, I imagine like there's a transformer planet somewhere where it's, right. it's so, you know, beyond what we're seeing yeah. on Star Trek, but it's like a full planet full of synthetics like that. Some sort of like Cybertron. They did show some like, like a space kind of uh, um, what was this called? Like like clouds, you know. So I'm I'm thinking like it's all like nano probes just floating in space, working together, kind of thing. Yeah, so like a sea. Cool. It's not a, it's not a land of of uh, technology. It's a sea of it. Yeah, because they wouldn't necessarily need an environment, you know. So they don't need to be on a planet. So that's pretty cool. So Rafi and Rios are repairing the ship. That was their job, right? And they have this new synth tool that's like this blue uh, ocarina looking thing. Uh, <clears throat> the tool uses imagination to fix things. I'm going to go right off the bat, Jonathan. I think this tool's super stupid. What do you think about this tool? <laughs> yeah, it's another one that was a, a stretch of the Star Trek imagination. <laughs> yeah. It looks like the remote from Click. I don't know if you remember that movie. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, it's that yeah, color. That and yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... At least if you're going to put something in there that's a little too corny like that, you have to spend a little bit more time... Uh, affirming it and giving it, you know, some some firm basis. So if you had a program and you're showing how it extrapolates your thoughts and and into images and then how nanoprobes and blah blah blah, it can make them. Okay, cool. I could I could see yeah. that. It's like a 3D printer, but you hold it in your hand. Okay, uh, I could see that. But they didn't give you any of that. They just kind of like just use your imagination. It'll make they, whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> they straight up are you saying the word imagination. I'm like. You guys got to throw some fake science words at me. <laughs> I need yeah, a little like, bit more than this. Jean-Luc has a brain tumor. Can I just imagine that he doesn't hold this next to his head? Are you going to take care In of it? In my on. notes that they should have done that. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, have a make a little Borg nanoprobe that goes in the back of his head and extracts it or something. I don't know. Come on. How, yeah. What's the limits of this thing? Like, well, we'll find out later on that there basically has none. So yeah. like, yeah, just point it at Picard and say, fixed, you know, and yeah. it'll be fine. Well, maybe after the end of the episode, it will work. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so uh, they ended up fixing this. This is another problem I had with this whole thing. They ended up fixing this busted hose and then boom, this thing's ready to go. All the lights turn on. And apparently it was just <laughs> this busted it, hose. It might, it might not have been a hose. It could have been a plasma. Conduit. Let's hope it was because that was pretty basic. Even yeah. when they were like, "Oh, we I don't know how to fix this one thing." It's like duct tape, bro. I mean, that would have done the job. <laughs> how long have you been on a ship? Have you seen Han Solo before? Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All you need is a big wrench. Yeah. Uh, Anerik is outside the ship and he's trying to like, you know, he's getting their attention and stuff like that, and says he wants to work with them to save the planet, or save the galaxy. Uh, he fills them in on the whole synth alliance and the beacon that's currently being created. And then Elnor comes in, of course, trying to kill Narek, uh, but now he's also part of this. So now we have this coalition that's trying to infiltrate the synths. Mm -hmm. They discuss uh, that this is actually a version of Romulan Apocalypse, this prophecy that they've been going off of, called Gan Maran, uh, which 
it, it talks about like this synth that will basically these two different people gods that will bring the end of the, the of everything and it basically fits into soji and uh what was the first sister uh dodge dodge thank you if it, it fits into the story of soji and dodge and uh and eric actually believes that this is actually history repeating itself not necessarily just some prophecy of the future mm-hmm. uh, so we see that coming into place soon we're back at the synth uh settlement now soon realizes that Suter is actually the one that that killed uh saga beforehand and is worried that like oh no this is actually all a evil plan i've been tricked by my children you know in his eyes they're all children and so he wants to uh she wants to try to help the humans. We'll see that later on. All right. So the crew, Rios and Rafi and crew, they show up to the synth uh, settlement. They're bringing in uh, Narek as like this. Oh, we captured this guy. He does one of those classic things. Yeah. Once they get in, they begin their attack on the beacon. The idea is to bring it down. Uh, they throw a bomb at it. And Soji just like catches it, tosses it away. She's already at super speed. She's so much better than them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're all in trouble. And during this process, that's when uh, Soong tries to help them out. So we see that Soong's now officially swapped sides, and uh, it's the biological difference of the sins. Agnes, who is supposed to be continuing her work on the mind transfer, she's been trying to undermine the sense the whole time. She takes uh, one of the eyes of Saga, that gold eye, and uses it to break out Picard. So while the crew that was on the ship leaves for the sin settlement, we see Picard and, and Agnes get to the ship, and they take off. Uh, their their idea is to try to slow down and fight the Romulans as they approach. Yeah, real, real quick, one thing I liked in that uh, synth fight that I feel like was totally underutilized, the uh, little EMP charge that he used on Sutra. I can't believe like how effective that was. He walked up and, and you know, set his little line and boom, she's down. Like You're trying to use a regular grenade or explosive to destroy all the other synths. Use an EMP. It, once yeah. you have that, you could feed them all through a paper shredder if you needed to or something. Like, they're out. Yeah. They're down for the count. Use the imagination tool to make more. Yeah. Well. There you go. Just imagine they're all dead and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> all the, we love this episode. Let's just re- reiterate that real yeah. quick. <laughs> That's true. But that, that tool belongs on Willy Wonka, I think. <laughs> that would be perfect. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's how, that's how the Oompa Loompas fix everything. <laughs> uh, on the side, let's kind of get this out of the way too. Uh, on the board cube, we had mm-hmm. Seven who's trying to get everything back online. Narissa is there, and they, they end up fighting. Right, they they both can't exist. Right, so as yeah. Narissa's trying to bring the weapons online, and Seven's trying to bring the defensive stuff online, they end up fighting each other. Uh, and it was a pretty good fight. And then we see Seven just throw Narissa off the side, and Narissa's dead. Yeah. Do you feel like that was enough justice for Narissa? Should Narissa have gotten a better ending because of how important she was to the story? Uh, that's I didn't I never thought about that before. I was kind of unsatisfied because I feel like we've seen this happen before. We've seen it in Star Wars repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, falling down a shaft doesn't always kill somebody. True. So put a phaser through their brain and then just watch <laughs> their corpse fall through the shaft. Like, come on, people. This is, this is day one stuff. Double tap. Shoot them dead and then Double let tap. them fall. So. She could have teleported out of there easy. Yeah, easily. We've seen them that on Star Trek when they teleport midair. Yeah, especially on a Borg ship. There's all kinds of technology around there. You don't know what she's got set up. She can, and there's Romulan showing up, so oh. she has backup. I mean, yeah, she probably has a force field safety net ten feet below, and she just ah, <laughs> just crawled <laughs> off of it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, it's time for the awesomeness. The Romulans finally arrive. Uh, they plan to completely destroy the planet. The Orchids and Picard start their attack on the Romulans. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Agnes plans to project their ship multiple times to kind of show like, look, there's a whole fleet here, kind of thing like that. Yeah. Uh, of course, I, they're going to I like how they came to that because it was kind of funny. She's like, if, if there's something you could do to make this, you know, work to, to you know, stop them or something like that, I'll name it after you and it'll be the, the Picard maneuver. And she's like, yeah, wait a minute. There is a Picard maneuver. <laughs> and then they went ahead and found a way to do it. The cool. car maneuver, by the way, is I just love that that exists. It's so freaking cool. It's in our we did a pop quiz video, and it's in that too. It's like, what is a Picard maneuver? Maneuver, uh, but yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Picard calls uh, Soji while this is all going on and asks her to stop because she's currently building the beacon and unstoppable at this point. Uh, he says that he will give his life for the synths, showing her how how much responsibility there is to having a life, something mm-hmm. that these new life forms, the synths really don't know yet. They haven't grasped that part yet. Soji activates the beacon still opening a portal. We see this like old tentacle thing coming towards the portal. It's freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, then, okay, this is when I start typing in all caps, guys. Starfleet shows up. TNG music kicks in. It's awesome. Of course, being led by freaking Riker, which mm-hmm. was so good. What were your emotions at this time, John? So, uh, so this was, this was, um, what do you call it? A follow-up, I guess, to a very similar previous scene because when they, when they do the Picard maneuver, you see all these fake ships teleport in real quick or, or warp in real quick. Right. And they got this big fleet and you're all, oh yeah, cool. That, that's cool. But we know they're fake. But then this yeah. happens again. And I was kind of had that little bit of suspense. Like, wait a minute, is this another ploy? Is this, is this another fake one? But no, no, no. Yeah. Then you see Riker and you're like, oh shit, this is, this is down. <laughs> Fucking Starfleet's taking over. No, that, was, uh, that was exciting. That was a really cool scene. No, I do. I, yeah. Like I said, my notes are all caps for a little while here. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Uh, he says that the new planet is under Starfleet's protection, which was super cool. Picard uh, message proceeds, uh, 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 proceeds the Romulan claim. So we saw him like in his study, like sending a message off to what he was doing is basically claiming the planet for Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Really freaking awesome move. Uh, kind of wins out on a technicality. So the Romulans are like, okay, will they fight Starfleet or will it be worth uh, giving up on this? Their prophecy says this is the end of the galaxy, so they're going to go ahead and continue to attempt to fight Starfleet. This is a fight between Romulans and Starfleet. Currently, they were at peace. Uh, Picard is in pain. He has this whole neck thing going on, or a brain thing that's kind of kicking in at the worst time right now. Uh, And this is where my note says they should use the fix-it machine. (laughs) And... (laughs) Uh, so Picard wants to make a speech to Soji, but he wants to be on open channels. He wants everybody to see it, all the synths and, and Romulans and Starfleet. Picard wants, uh, he pleads with Soji and shows her how the Federation is defending them and not attacking them. Because at this time, I mean, it would be super easy for like, hey, I'm Riker, let's join up Commander O, uh, Commodore O. Let's just turn our, you know, looking at rid of all the synths, you know, we have a ban on them, why not? But no, they're defending them, doing what's right, even though it's technically against the rules for those, those uh, synths to exist. Finally, and he says that I believe in you. And so that's something that I think with her shattered reality, somebody having faith in her is something that she just doesn't experience anymore. What do you think about that? Is that you think, what do you think Picard believing in her means to her? Yeah, I think he's, he's just trying to like to get a genuine emotional response out of her because she hasn't had that father figure before or, you know, yeah, she pretty much has never had a father figure before. And never had anybody who was concrete. She had her fake mom. She had her sister who was also only a three-year-old synth who's now right. dead. So to have somebody of such influence and power and who's who she's found already that she can trust, you know, and is, is risking his life, is giving his life to defend her, 
now say, I have faith in you. I know you have faith in me because I'm showing it right now. But I have faith that that even though you're a synth, even though you're not human, you're you're more human than I'll ever be because you're going to do the right thing in this kind of scenario. So I think that speaks volumes to what he sees in her so that she can hopefully see it in herself. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you're 100% right. That's true. We see that it does ring true to her. She decides to destroy the beacon and uh, the messages or the, the portal that's opening up just as the tentacles are about to kind of like start attacking everything. Uh, and then, you know, Picard has one last goodbye with uh, with Riker, which is really cool. Um, and uh, and he ends up feeling this pain come on to him because they, they had temporarily put it aside. Now the pain is back and he starts to collapse on the ground. Luckily, uh, uh, he's with Agnes, who's the doctor, and she tries to try to treat him as fast as possible. Soji transports them back down to the um, to the surface, and we get this moment where Picard starts to say goodbyes to everybody that's surrounding him. We have his crew that's around him right now, uh, and then sadly Picard dies. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's a very impactful moment. Do you feel like this was a good uh, death scene for somebody so important to Star Trek, possibly the most important to all of Star Trek canon? Right. What do you yeah. think? So that that's true. I I do feel, I feel like. It was underplayed if it was a true death scene because we could tell just by the timing of the episode that this wasn't going to be it. There's going to be something else to follow. If this was the end of an episode or the end of a series, then yeah, no, this was way underplayed. It's got to, you know, he's got to die in a ball of fire, like saving all humanity and destroying all Romulans or something crazy. But for for, for the path that the story was going and that we can kind of foresee a little bit, uh, I think it was pretty well played. You know, that that reminds me, and I know we're big, we're obviously Voyager fanboys. Everybody who listens to the show knows that. Yeah. Uh, but it reminds me what might be the best Starfleet Captain Death scene, Jonathan. When so, when Captain Janeway is going to oh. fly the Voyager into yeah. the time ship. And yeah. you just see like the front of the ship is ripped off. And she just has a, oh, a force field as a, as a front screen. Yeah. And she's just going to plow right into that ship. Yeah. That is the way a captain goes out. That yeah, was such really a, cool. Such a beautiful ending because she destroys the ship. They're like, oh no, the Voyager's destroyed. My captain's dead. Wait a minute. I destroyed a time ship that affected our timeline. Now everything's reset. And Voyager's peacefully sailing past that part of space with no, yeah. no uh, issues. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like this was, I actually kind of thought, uh, no, I'm not kind of. I actually thought this was Picard's legit death. So I was like, I think we have enough time to kind of set up what the show will be post Picard. Um, uh, I thought so, that's what the extra time on the clock was going to be for. But I actually thought like, oh, it's too bad that his crew's not here. Yeah. So I had a little bit of sad moment about that. I was like, yeah, these guys he got to know over the last whatever few months. But man, Riker just left. Can you get him <laughs> back down here? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. So I kind of had that feeling myself. I think it's in one of our previous episodes. I, I mentioned that I, I thought this was going to be one of the potential uh, endings or how, how they could keep the name Picard going on throughout the series, is, you know, to do what they do. So Yeah. Uh, okay, so the crew, we see now the crew and Seven, and you know, they're all mourning the loss of Picard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven uh, talks about how she killed Nerissa and how that affects her. She never thought she'd want to kill again. Uh, and Rios, you know, he let Picard in his heart and he thought he would never do that again. So he, you know, in the short amount of time that he was with these people, he really affected them. Rafi and Elnor seemed to really be having a hard time. Elnor was so much of a son to Picard in a way, from Elnor's point of view, especially. Mm-hmm. 
while Rafi was a friend, and I liked the way that she embraced Eleanor, kind of re-solidifying the idea, like, Rafi's kind of the mom of this crew, because right there she's like... He's losing his only father figure, so as she can see, he just needs somebody to to be a, a, a rock for him, just somebody to at least talk to when he needs to and so that. So that's awesome that she steps in at that role like at the right time for that. Yeah. Then we see Picard wake up in this quantum simulation is when I realized that, oh, the shenanigans are not done. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought we were all in morning time, but okay. Uh, then Data, who's there and is actually Data, you know, you know, reveals that, reveals to Picard that, hey, you're dead now. And they discuss like how you're you're in a server basically that's holding my memories and my mind and now is holding yours as well. Uh, and it's and they're you're going to be coming back. He, he says like there's a door behind you kind of thing and you're going to be going through it. Uh, and then he says goodbye to Data. I feel like this was a moment for them to have their final goodbyes between Picard and Data because that's something he never got for in the beginning. Like I think this whole season was his quest to say goodbye to Data. That's why he wanted to protect Soji so much and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on that? What, what do you think about this scene? This scene, it, it was beautiful. Well done. Yes. I, I liked I liked watching it, but it's not until afterwards that it just makes me so mad <laughs> because when you think about it, what's in that room? There's, the, there's Picard and there's Data. There's two memories, two almost complete people that just need a body and on yeah. Earth, they just figured out how to make the body. So they're putting Picard in one. Hey, give me a couple hours. I'll make another one. I'll put yeah. Data in the other one. What the hell? Why Why just totally kill off Data's memory? He wants to know that he has a, a limit to his life. Sure. But in his new body, create a limit to his life. Say, hey, you're going to have 23 yeah. and a half years or between 20 and 70. You know, enjoy them and, and know they're going to end kind of thing. But they just chose to unplug him and let him die. Yeah, Data does ask to be terminated once he's out, once Picard is out, and it's that's so sad, and yet it's like, it makes sense for Data's development to actually want death at a certain point, but yeah, come on, give us give us a body that has a 20-year expiration date, and that way he can feel that out, you know? Something. So Picard is back, and now he's in his golem body, so it's, it's a synthetic, and they put a, a limit on it so it'll die at the natural time and he's like 10 years maybe 20 years they didn't tell him i think that's for the show's sake because they're like we don't know what your actual limit is so let's play take your vitamins old man <laughs> yeah. we just decided to do season two with you so we need you to be there right uh, go home and quarantine after this then they had a really nice moment where picard holds a eulogy for data while he's about to pull all the the three usb ports basically yeah. and uh I oh man, this moment just it's so funny that we haven't had much data in this series, and yet I was like, oh, this is such a good moment of him slowly basically killing off data and data sitting there laying on the couch, and then Picard of TNG is sitting there on the coffee table holding his hand, and it was just beautiful moment. Yeah. Uh do you think this was done well? Would you make any changes? No, I, I think that that scene, you know, if they're going to go ahead and erase Data or, you know, kill him off, then I think that was a perfectly done scene. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, then we're basically into what will be of the future. So we have the ship, we have the crew on there. We have Agnes, Rios, Rafi, uh, Seven's on board, Picard, Elnor, and Soji. They're all part of this new crew. We find out that the ban is lifted on synthetic life, and we get a classic engage and the TNG music kick in. Mm -hmm. Uh 
what do you think this crew's new mission will be? Where go? Where are they going from here? So first off, I'm stoked. I hope this means that Seven's going to stay on the crew because that's what it looks yeah. like. That she's just going to be, you know, going where they go. So that that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of open ended. They don't really have a specific goal now because the synthetics are free and. I, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. I have no idea. <laughs> Normally, I would, I would like have to... like a projection of what's next. To, you know, what, what's to come. They might just, you know, first episode create a problem that they need to solve. But I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What do I would think? like for them to go to the Fenris Rangers and kind of start negotiations with them. Like, hey, can you guys actually become a d- division of uh, Starfleet? And what would that look like? Because they have Seven there, who's such a legendary member of their ranks. Use that as like the mediator to kind of create this new. Rangers, a Rangers version of uh, Starfleet that would be really pretty cool, something like that. You, you know what I'm wondering now, actually. Um, so first off, the Romulans gave up far too easy for this creature, this species True. that they found on this planet to be, or this, uh, you know, the sense to be the end of existence for all things. First off, I wouldn't have turned my guns to Starfleet. I would have started shooting at the planet, and if my ship's going down, I'm going to crash it into the the. The village or town that has the synths in it, I, yeah. I plan on dying because I'm going to stop whatever this is from. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there's zombies at the door, you don't pull over for the next cop. You just keep going because there's zombies. Like, yeah. It's just crazy. But um, so. Especially with, I'm sorry, just real quick, especially yeah. with the tentacles that were going through the portal. I mean, yeah. you were like, yeah, we have this prophecy, but there it is. <laughs> like, you yeah, can point at it. Right there. <laughs> Do what you can. Yeah. Don't you see that? It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> the portal just needs to be a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking the the Romulans are probably going to continue to t- attack the synths, have another, you know, go at it at least. Uh, and that at this point, they're probably uh, engaging in full-on war against Starfleet for having defended the synths. So we're probably going to see a new human Romulan or, or Starfleet or, uh, yeah, Starfleet and Romulan war again. Yeah. I could see that, yeah, it reignite, and then we have this new faction too. Really, if you look at it, look at it this way, we mm-hmm. have a planet where synths are allowed to to they're in under they're under Starfleet's protection now, so they're able to thrive and evolve. And I'm really excited about the fact that there's a board cube on that thing. So yeah. now we're gonna have this new thing where there's two different factions. I'm gonna say factions again, but you know, what I'm saying two different people on this island, and how will they help each other out? A yeah. synthetic empowered Borg. What would that look like? Will the synthetics help Borg return to humanity? Will they help them embrace their, you know, mechanical side? I, yeah. I want to watch just that planet and see what happens. I'm thinking like the synths could probably benefit huge from the Borg technology, but at the same time, Borgs can't fully remove their implants, and synths right. could probably replace them with their human, you know, human-like replacements easily. Yeah. So imagine too. those XBs would probably be able to be created, recreated, you know. Instead of being half human, half Borg, they'd be half human, half synth, and have yeah. fully human bodies. Or and then what would the synthetics be like if they had nanotechnology? The nano, you know, oh, what I'm saying know. like uncontrollable. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> There's and that apocalypse. <laughs> one that sees that apocalypse again and, and starts to go crazy and wants to destroy everything. It doesn't take much. All right, so we're done with season, season one. What are your thoughts on the entire season, and how would you like to see them change uh, change things for season two? 
Uh, I loved it. I mean, I, I want to see more. If they want to do more spinoff series in different directions, I am down. I'm actually now watching Next Generation uh, for the first time because I've hardly ever seen any episodes before. And uh, most nights I'm watching an episode or two of the original series too, just because it happens. Classic. Yeah, yeah, I've seen all the original series. That's, that is, people are like, a lot of people like just brush it off because like, oh, it doesn't look very cool. The stories are amazing. Like they're still <laughs> yeah, very I, good stories. I can't fall asleep. I just got to see what happens. They're so good. Yeah. It's just, so, yeah. some of it's comical because it's an older show and you know, it, they're going to have props and stuff, but right. it's just, it's just such an interesting story to really watch. Yeah. There's, there's some real good gems there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, I really like this. I, I want to see some more spinoffs. Like you're saying, I know that everybody wants the Commander Pike version. Yeah, uh, well, Captain Pike at this point. Uh, I had heard an interview with a couple of the creators of Picard and they originally almost jokingly pitched this as a seven of nine spinoff. Oh, it okay. actually wasn't supposed to be a Picard spinoff at first. Uh, and then they were like, well, if you're going to do that, you have to bring in Janeway. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, but the creator was like, look, I'm not like the fans. I don't think there was much in between seven or nine and Janeway. So he didn't want to do that because he didn't think that there was enough uh, emotional rewards there to have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When he says, I know that the fans are super big on those two and how much they mean to each other, but I don't think that it's really there. Okay. So I he ended up going with this Picard idea, you know, after some talk, of course, and hoping Patrick Stewart was going to be on board. I would like to see them bring Janeway on. I want to see what it's like what is Janeway like now in this world and stuff like that? Of course, for big Voyager fans, I'd like to see, you know, she's got to be one of these animals. She had to have been part of the synth band. And why was she part of the synth band? Could she be, you know, still trying, you know, what, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think Janeway is doing in the situation right now and how she would be uh, after the situ- after the events of the finale? Yeah, I, I would imagine she was probably in the same shoes we saw Picard in the beginning of the show because I, I think she's, either exiled from Starfleet or pushed out somehow yeah. or given a, a place out the corner to just go live for the rest of her years. Because if there was the corruption that we're seeing now with Admiral O, she wouldn't stand for that kind of shit. And like she she would have pushed past her bounds until either she gets in an all out, you know, dogfight with somebody or she gets like I'm saying exiled out of Starfleet and has to, you know, uh, maybe blackmailed for somebody else's safety or something like that to where it's like, you know what, okay, I'll just uh, disappear and, and be quiet kind of thing. But yeah, I don't think, yeah. I, I don't, if they do show her, I'm pretty sure she's going to be kind of off the radar at this point. Yeah, I could see that. I could see maybe she's in retirement. Maybe she's like an ambassador to Vulcan, something yeah, like that would be kind of cool like with the, because she had such big passions. I mean, it's it's basically the reason she went back in time is because of the disease that hit Tuvok. She's very connected to Tuvok, so that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I knowing her and how like loyal she is to Starfleet, like it takes a lot for her to break the, the prime directive. I wonder if she was all on board for the synth band. You know, I, I kind of think she might've been, which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. She honestly, with her and, and seven sisters, she was probably trying to, if not somewhat involved with the, um, the Famous artifacts Rangers? in the oh, okay, reclamation yeah. project. Yeah. So that'd be interesting to see if she was working. Maybe she had a separate, you know, branch or a clinic or something like that, where they were trying to help the Borgs reintegrate into society or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We could we could have to see. I know we've had hints of where she like speaks to classes. I don't know. There's all kinds of speculations. There's such a good roster in Star Trek that you can really kind of pick anybody and like, oh, where yeah. are they now? I mean, Robert that, Picardo should be ageless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Somewhere>. exactly. <laughs> That'd be hard to cast. <laughs> yeah. 
That's another thing that's great about this this uh, crew we have too, because Soji's ability to open and 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 sail through transwarp conduits anytime they want. So if they want to return to the Delta Quadrant, it wouldn't take as long. It w- would take you know almost nothing to go see you know Neelix or oh, another <laughs> another planet they've visited in the past. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, because Neelix is their Delta Quadrant ambassador, from what we know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be really cool. I. I really hope for more Borgs. I love the Borg. I yeah. think they're phenomenal bad guys. And especially when you start to show them as good guys, that's even better. So I really, you know, I'm all for the Borg. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right, John, then I think that's going to be it for us on our uh, Picard specials. I got a lot of editing on this one. Um, <laughs> but that's going to be it. We'll see you guys next week on Monday. We have, or on Tuesday, we have another episode coming out. It's going to be another remote call one. Uh, I think we're going to do probably top five inspiring moments out of this coronavirus thing that we're going through. It's been really good ones I've been noting. Uh, Alright guys, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Stop it. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week.